So, in your hand, can you hear me? Hello, good. You good? So, it would probably help if I put on my glasses. Remember, I'm grandfathered in to remedy. Uh, we went ahead and did a pretty good summary last time. We're not going to do that this time of part one. But lucky for you, I thought ahead, and you have in your handouts here that you can take with you and just read over and over and over again at home uh, is a review of part one. Because it's an important subject, that's why I'm kind of literally highlighting this. And then we go into part two, and now tonight we do part three. And this is a study on finding a good local church. It is a cool postcard. I'd like to get, get one like that. So, yeah, I wasn't going to thumb because they got sharp corners. So I added, no, I didn't add a little bit to this because I printed it out too soon. Uh, again, being this is such an important topic, I think, especially for you guys, and I say you guys specifically, I'm talking about the millennial generation who hates to be categorized, but I, I do it often. Yeah, I know, I know, yeah. Is, you know, it's, it, and it's, hey, it's not easy to find a good local church. It's not easy to find a church that you're going to be happy with. And um, it's not easy to, um, really, to understand what makes a healthy church because most churches won't teach on what makes a healthy church. I mean, why should you? It, the assumption is that, it, that it's healthy. But it's, a, um, it's definitely a spiritual um, passion of mine to look at the local church and try to understand it. So it's an ongoing study for me. And as we draw this to a close, we can either, and I want you to just be thinking about this, we can break up, not break up, but we're just going to, because it is a small group, uh, we can just talk, do a little Q&A on basically what some of the stuff I've taught over the last couple of weeks and fire some hard zinging type of questions to me, see if I can dodge or catch them and answer them. Yes, um, and you guys can weigh in on your own, your own thoughts on that, on those, on those questions and answers. And there might not be an exact answer. And again, I emphasize for the third week that we're not trying to detail any doctrine. We're not trying to uh, compare one denomination to another. We're not going into those traditionally controversial areas we let other people worry about that and debate over those type of things uh, that's not the purpose and, and, and in my opinion it doesn't make a difference uh, in most cases on what makes a healthy church 
But if we have extra time, and I doubt if we will, <laughs> but we could, I mentioned to you that I also had another study called What a Church Fellowship Should Not Look Like. So if as, as a bonus section, uh, I have that. So in part one, we got into the definition of what a church is and a church body, a congregation. Went way back into the, um, uh, I think, the Old Testament and New Testament. We uh, covered what the basics uh, of what is needed uh, and who, who's a church for. Part two, we covered what to look for in a church. First, to seek a church that has a high view of Scripture. Second, seek a church where you find that you can be equipped and fed spiritually in the power of the gospel of Jesus. Third, find a church where God's love is obvious. It's friendly, it's accepting, it's encouraging, and where fellowship is important. And tonight, we're going to get into part three, which is the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and the actually the eighth things that you should look for. We did talk a lot about in the fourth item. Uh, I, th I think we did. Uh, and which was, which was find a church where you can be useful. Look for opportunities where you can practice your gifts and experience serving in ministry. Um, and that's really kind of where we ended. So we'll emphasize the fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth part of this. And then another, another just serendipity, just a bonus, because Nancy and I are reading a book along with Derek and Danielle called Church 3.0. Many um, Church 3.0 is, what is 3.0? <laughs> I've got it in here somewhere. Anyway, it's um, somebody who's considered a quote-unquote church expert, Neil Cole, and he um, he teaches on. I'm trying to find it here. I'm kind of stalling. He teaches about there it is. What the future church should could look like. Of course, not that he's the only guy writing books on this. These books are put out all the time. But he takes a, a kind of a slightly different uh, view of it, so we're, we're kind of studying that, and I have a nice quote from him on that. So there you go. There's our summary. That's what we're going to do. And we've been watching one of your favorite movies of my time. You remember the name of it? Apostle? Look at you go, buddy. The Apostle. It's this one right here. It's a great movie. You really and I'm I'm spoiling the whole thing, taking these excerpts out of here. I maybe we will. Maybe we will. Uh, I I I think you guys could get a lot out of it. Uh, and I lost my thing. So now I got to go to the menu. And because it's not this this scene in the car. 
where he wants to make out with this this gal. I think you're ruining it. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. My bad. What can I tell you? Oh, I've, I've, I thought I spoiled most of it already. I normally don't do it. I, I, you know, what can I tell you? I, I like to use movies. Okay. So, chapter list. I did not steal it. Like a dollar. Chapter 24. This is many years ago. I can't remember how many, what I paid for it that many years ago. So, so what we, what we saw was his, um, his church. Uh, we saw what his church was like early on. We saw some of the tent ministries, all based on reality and I presume things that go on today, especially in the South, from Florida to Georgia to Mississippi to Louisiana to Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, a lot of revivals and, and um, uh, tent evangelists. So we saw a bunch of that. We saw his church in East Texas, and uh, that was different, and that was the church congregation performing in a Hollywood movie. And now we're going to see... I don't know, how can I say this without being too bad of a spoiler? So, I have to explain it a little bit. So, he has to move away, and so I will not spoil it. He is forced to move away from his church and his family in East Texas, and he moves to across the border, basically, to Louisiana, which would be west of Louisiana. And... He's looking around the small town. He's going by the Lord's leading. Lord, what do you want me to do? He prays for everything. Prays for everything. Lord, what do you want me to do? I want a church, Lord. I want to serve you. He even, he even um, baptized him, rebaptized himself to get a fresh start. And so he, um, he gets on this, um, this uh, radio show, a Christian radio, where they talk about Christian stuff. And he gets on there as the... Um, the apostle, an evangelist, and he preaches on the radio, which is very common way back in the day. This takes place, when does this take place? The, the 40, I think, no, it had to be like the 60s, right? Early 50s or 60s? 40s. I don't know, because it showed him as a little boy. So it was probably in the 50s uh, is where he's at right now. So now he started... Um, this retired preacher, who you will see in here, he retired early because he had a heart problem and his health was not good, so he led a small little church. They had a little church out of town and it, it was abandoned, basically. So the apostle saw this little nice little white, little tiny white, it, it needed painting, and he fixes it up. He said, this is gonna be a beautiful church, and he calls the church the one-way road to heaven church. And so now, it's all painted, it's ready to go, everybody's excited, and he's inviting his first congregation to come. 
He said, I will pick you up. They got a bus. You will see the bus. I will pick you up, and you'll get a little flower, and we'll take you to church, and we'll see who comes. So this is him doing that. If I can get to it. Am I there? I don't know if I'm. No, I got to go down. I got to go to 24. Okay, so here we go. Oh. Ah. Oops, yeah. Is my sound on? No sound. All right. Why do I not have sound? Oh, that would probably be why. Thank you, Joe. I still don't have sound. Okay. We had sound last week. What is going on here? You had it on video what? Uh, I have it on DVD. Don't put it on DVD? Oh, my goodness. That's why I don't do tech as a natural. Services. The Apostle EF will pick you up personally at the very spot designated for each and every one of you. Now, I don't want you running. Take your time there now. Now, I want you all act right on that bus. You hear me? Maybe we go in to praise the Lord. And I don't want to have to get disrupted to have to whip you, okay? Go in to praise the Lord. We'll have a good time. You will also receive a small rose of sharing from the Apostle himself. And those who play, please remember to bring your instruments. God bless you. Morning, man. All right, how you doing, Apostle? There's a rose for you, won't you share? Oh, praise God. Thank you, thank you. What's your name, sister? Sister Johnson. Uh, good to see you. Good morning, Sister Johnson. God bless you, brother. How you doing? You boys ready for church? Yes, sir. Yeah, they're ready for church. They've been getting ready all the morning today. <laughs> yes, sir, they're twins. They're double trouble and double blessings. Wait for me. Oh, Lord, Jesus, you're able to stop him. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Here I am. Wait for you. Here I am. Here I am. Good to see you. Real good, are you? How you doing? Good. Come on, boys. Let's go now. 
Don't be strangers. We're all in the house of Jesus now. Nobody's going to bite you. I love you, the Lord. Uh, let's everybody come up and join hands in a circle. Let's, let's form a little Holy Ghost circle here. We're small but we're powerful. Can somebody say we're small but we're powerful? We're Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to radio station KBBR in Bayou Bate, Louisiana. Today, the Apostle Lee F and his glorious choir are going to sing a song for us, Apostle. I'm going to fly away someday. I got me my own little airplane. Someday I'm going down that runway. I'm going to take off. I'm not going to Jackson, Mississippi. I'm not going to Chicago, Illinois. I'm not going to Paris, France. I'm going down that runway. I'm going down to heaven. I'm going to say, get out of the way, moon. Get out of the way, star. I'm on my way to heaven.
Um, anyway, did you hear me? Anyhow, um, so finally a church where accountability from within. Now, we didn't see that yet. We haven't seen that. Maybe we'll get a more of a glimpse of that in the next clip. So, in the next clip, um, <laughs> how do I fill in the blanks here? Uh, in the next clip, there's more people. <laughs> it's an evening service. I'm guessing Wednesday night because that's where all churches meet on Wednesday nights, right? Um, and um, there's a reason for that, by the way, traditionally. I'll ask me and I'll, I'll let you know why most churches meet on a Wednesday nights, um, at least in this country. It's not so much in other countries. Uh, so fast forward the clock because the last clip is getting really towards the end of the movie. And... Uh, you'll see more people. Uh, obviously, they've practiced. There's more instruments. Uh, things are going well. And um, you'll find just how um, kind of loving the church is. And it has, uh, it pinpoints a bit of where the leadership is or is not. A little mystery for you. So let's see if I can get us to this last clip which is chapter 26 in the book of Apostles. Let's see here. Call you a yeah. You ain't got a whole name? Yeah. <laughs> maybe I do, maybe I don't. <laughs> How are you? Well, I just come in to see what's going on, you know. I 
music is good and kids friends of yours these folks here well they're just children children of the lord let's yeah. put it that way we are jesus church and they're, they're jesus children is that right yes sir probably not you had oh i'm sorry stand here in the house of the lord with my hat on i didn't mean to do that well, can i do anything for you i'm just kind of curious why they call you yeah that's all i don't know well now that's no concern to anybody but mine and the lord so uh uh, if you'd like to discuss this outside, that's you know, it's fine. It's... Whatever you want. Yes, sir. You want to preach to me? No, sir, I'm not. What's your problem? I don't have no problem. You do. No, I don't think I do. I don't think worshiping the Lord is any kind of problem. Now, I wish you'd either leave this premises, or if you want to come back into our church this time as a gentleman, then that's all right, too. But otherwise, just go on home. I ain't going to any church with anybody named E.F. Another thing is, I don't want to sit around with a bunch of niggers. Well, just get on out here. Get on out of here right now. I'll leave when it's used to, Mr. E.L. That's what I'll do. Come on around on the other side, buddy. Come okay, on. Stay right there. Go. Come on, buddy. Let's see what you're made of. You want the Lord to watch me kick no, your ass? I don't need the Lord. Is that what so. you want? Huh? I need to need the Lord. Come on. Come on. turn the other cheek but if you do that somebody gonna take the church Amen. and nobody's gonna take any church of mine because I love his church yes. want to do myself yes. nobody's gonna destroy it. somebody give me an amen yeah. Where am I going? Am I going to PC? Is that where I'm going? Yeah. PC. PC. 
All right. Yep. Yep. He said, I love the church more than I love myself, which there's nothing wrong for a church leader to say that, right? Uh, but he did say before that, you know, my church. My church. Nobody's going to take away my church. Because like I told you before, where we was at before, and that big old church, the church got taken from. That was intense. So, yeah, he, I mean, hey, there's nothing in the Bible that says you can't offend people like that. I don't know if he sinned. I don't know if he was supposed to turn the other cheek. Jesus said you're supposed to turn the other cheek. But I'm not going to condemn him. And it's really not part of our study about him getting in a fight with that man. It's a really interesting scene that comes up shortly after this as that man comes back. You don't want to miss when he comes back. Oh my gosh, you don't want to miss when he comes back with his friends <laughs> and a bulldozer. <laughs> okay, so, 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 so. Um, if I don't give it away, did, does anybody have the other movie we looked at um, that I showed, the little boy and the father in the Czech Republic? Did I loan that out? Most, because after that night, I saw it. You, did you take it home? No, because no. now I can't find it. <laughs> I don't know where it went, but it like disappeared. Um, so it's just um, one of those interesting things. Most, most, most. It's an excellent movie. A little short clip, 30-minute, 30 35-minute movie. Anyhow, anyhow. So... So, so, so. Let's start with the uh, number four here. So, as I mentioned, you want to find a church where you can be useful. You want to look for opportunities uh, where you can practice your gifts. And uh, those are my, not my notes. Those are your notes. Those are the ones we covered the last time, right? So I don't want to dwell on that. We read some verses. In each one of these, we've, we've read verses. So as I get into this, somebody can have ready Hebrews uh, chapter 10, verses 24 through 25 would be awesome. Who wants to raise their hand and say they will do that? Cynthia, thank you for volunteering. Uh, that's Hebrews 10. That's on the discipleship, fifth. Hebrews 10, 24, 25. And then if somebody can get the one you all know, Matthew 28, in the sixth part. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. And somebody who can go way back into the Bible, be Old Testament ready. First Chronicles 16, chapter 16, verses 23 through 31. You got that? And then if we can have one other person hit Ephesians 6, 18. Ephesians 6.18. And then last, but 
second last, third last, but certainly not least, <laughs> Titus 1, 5 and 6. Titus 1, 5 and 6. And then, uh, Grant, you want to do... No, she, uh, Madison already has Ephesians, I think. First Timothy, five seventeen. First Timothy, five seven. There you go, right there. And last, but certainly not least, don't break it. Acts fourteen twenty three. Joe, you got Acts. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. So. So, 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 fifth, we want to feel, we want to find a local church where we feel part of a community. Now, feeling part of a community can take a lot of different aspects. I mean, you can have, you can have potlucks, and I love potlucks. Potlucks really make you feel part of a community. You're breaking bread together, you're getting to know people, you're actually sitting down and taking time. Uh, across the table, getting to know people. I've gotten to know people at every church I've been at potlucks better than almost anything else except a fix-up day at a church. Welcome, Nancy. How are you, my dear? We're just, yes, yes, she brought her sunny Florida weather with her. It was 90 degrees plus when she was there, and she went to the beach every day. Anyway, we're not going to be jealous of that, are we? Uh, so anyway, welcome to Northern California. Okay, okay, let's, uh, uh, you can get into that with Madison about allergies. So, um, yeah, there's lots of different ways to feel part of a community. Can you come up with some other ways that you can feel part of a community besides the ones I just mentioned? I, I was going to mention my best one, getting to know people, was uh, a, a church work project where you fix up the church, you know, you're painting or cleaning the church building, but these days not many people have church buildings, so. Uh. A lot of people, um, what I've noticed is that they, check, uh, they learn about VBS, so they take your, their child. Yes. So, and then, like, you'd be surprised, like, how many new people start coming to the church because their child is attending VBS because, you know, one little friend invited another little friend and then the parent like goes and sees like yeah what like what it's all about and they end up yeah Yeah. so that's that's one thing i noticed especially because um we actually take some of the daycare kids to vbs you know with the parents approval and then the kids fall in love with it and they teach their parents what they learn there so that's that's a great example any i'm sorry what is she is are are you disrupting (laughs) D- don't what what do you mean you know what are you going to say no oh Garrett All right, number five I can't believe this one thing that is community. I, that is a part as good part of community is having specialized studies for the different types of families that exist so you may have a singles ministry mm-hmm. you may have a young couples ministry mm-hmm. You know, young married couples, obviously. And then there may also be ministries for those who are in the 40s or over, or maybe even those who are called the prime timers. Yes. yes. Who are uh, in the time of prime. Yes. 15 <laughs> above, they say. 
they they tried to uh, hook us into that in a church, and, and, and I said no. Uh, it's called the parents of the prime timers. <laughs> parents of the prime timers. AKA the founders of the church. Oh. <laughs> no, but there's there's definitely some 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 people in the church that are, um, you know, well past their prime, and you know they they need a ministry. They need they need a a group to be with too. They're not respecting you, Garrett. Here, they can't hear you, so that's part of the reason. So uh, Garrett was bringing up all the uh, different um, age. Uh, what's the term I'm trying to age ministries? Um, different um, life life stages, life groups. Like, um, and he looked at me funny when he said, uh, "What was it? Old timers? No, uh, prime timers." There you go. And then he said, the parents of the prime timers. I go, what? Okay. But we digress. Yeah, we digress. So these are ways to draw in community. Although I will say when you divide up like that, some will say, the other side of that coin would be, well, when you, when you start slicing it up, even when we meet here as single uh, uh, singles, essentially, that you're taking away, you're kind of breaking up, you're uh, bringing some disunity into the body when you, when you do that. Even when, you know, junior high goes here and the elementary goes here and high school go there, and so they're not taking part in the big church service, uh, some would argue that you're taking away from what how the church uh, originally, as a family-oriented uh, group, got together. So, yes. of us to get a better understanding because i'm actually in a bible study group as well on monday morning monday nights with at my aunt's house and it consists of older women and i struggle sometimes to understand what like what is going on so like because they're in a whole nother frame of life than than you are yeah i can't remember beth moore i think is her name yeah so like some chapters i understand what she's saying and some chapters i'm like completely lost like yesterday i was lost so you know, and, and, and they're all like, yes, yes. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and that's why part of the reason we do Remedy <laughs> is, yeah, you can say, um, you, you can relate to some of these film clips here and the way they do the church in the Old South. Uh, so, yeah, it, it goes back and forth. But the bottom line is this. If, if a church is, in my humble opinion, if a church is making an effort to bring community and bring people together. Um, and that's why you see in a lot, especially larger churches, you'll see growth groups or small groups. That became really popular in the uh, 80s and 90s. That is an effort to keep the unity going even if it's in small groups at least people get to know each other and create bonds um, and it's especially hard for larger churches to do that like I mentioned last week you can you can melt in or lose yourself or on purpose uh, disappear in a church and and not have to worry about being asked tapped on the shoulder or asked to do something or to serve so what the Bible says on this 
And I put in terms of, of this community discipleship, because in my opinion, I've, been, I've quoted myself many times on this, <laughs> and that is discipleship is the Achilles heel of the church. It's a weak area of the church. Very difficult the way we do modern church. It wasn't so much so in the early church. And it certainly, uh, we're, we're given a lot of biblical direction, uh, especially from Jesus, uh, to be involved in discipleship. So in terms of long-term commitment to spiritual growth and conforming to Christ and uh, in an effort to go deep with people, discipleship becomes uh, a key element. And that, that, again, is part of Hebrews. I mean, part of Hebrews, uh, part of um, community. So who has Hebrews 10, 24 through 25? Come over to. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Meeting together. I mean, that's, to me, that's the main verse in the Bible about, and in the New Testament anyway, about coming together and meeting together and not being a, uh, a, a do-it-by-yourself Christian. Uh, but we talked about that a lot last week. So discipleship helps you fortify your faith by learning God's word. Uh, helps you go deeper, applying biblical principles to what Jesus commands and applying those principles to your lifestyle. If you have somebody, as uh, it's often been said, uh, uh, every Timothy needs a Paul, right? So that's an, like an older man or an older woman to a younger man or a younger woman. Somebody's maybe more seasoned or has a little bit more wisdom or just more experience in life. So it's, it's helpful and it's beneficial. And if there's not an emphasis on that, and, and most churches I've gone to try to put an emphasis on it. They, they really do. But it is difficult to do. But if it's a healthy church, going back to the purpose of the study, if they're ignoring that, then it's probably not a healthy church. If they're doing their best to bring it, bye-bye, my dear. Take your little sheet with you. You have your little sheet? Yeah, it's only 503. Uh, no. <laughs> You're right, 504. Okay. All right. Um, congratulations, Cynthia. Yeah, yeah. So just make sure. And, and as we go through number one and number two, number three, and number four, these are questions. If you're church shopping or you're church hopping or you move away and you're looking for a church or your family's looking for a church, these are things that you can talk about and ask um, other people in the church, the elders in the church, the pastor in the church, friends that may have invited you to the church and say, well, what about these things? Well, what about this? Because it's hard to figure out when you sit in a church and you sit down in the chair and you're listening to a good message and maybe some good worship and things like that a lot of these things you can't figure out it takes months perhaps even longer 
uh, to figure some of these things out. But you can figure them out pretty quick if you go and talk to some of the people about these, these specific things. Okay, so let's move to the sixth area. Reaching the nations as an act of obedience and as well as local evangelism. And where do we get that from? We get it from Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Who has Matthew 28? We all do. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So there you go. It's, it's local and it's national. Um, it's the, the Great Commission. Um, and I would suggest to you that many churches do not put a high value in this. And, and the churches that I'm aware of that don't, um, uh, they don't make excuses for it. They don't, it's like, no, that's not our emphasis. I, I can tell you for sure that there's a lot of inner city, not all, I'm generalizing here, okay? But many urban churches, uh, many ethnic uh, churches will tell you, as they have told me, we don't put an emphasis in global evangelism or reaching the nations because we've got enough problems with our people right here. We've got enough ministry to do right here. And I get that. I, re I really do. I, under I, I understand it. I would suggest better than most. However, you can't get away from some of the verses. You can't get away from Matthew um, 28 and plenty of other verses, including First Chronicles. Who has First Chronicles 16? Oh, I just paraphrased it, I think. Now, let's just paraphrase. Uh, I think we're we're pushing time when I do these movie long movie clips. Okay, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous work among all the peoples. Okay, we go all the way back into First Chronicles. I mean, God wants all His people involved, right? All His creation. So I'll just leave it at that. Um, And I would note, as a friend that got me into global missions, uh, emphasized to me, and he would go around and try to go to a whole variety of churches to try to get them involved in India. That was Josh Ebenezer. God rest his soul. I don't know if I have any seed group things up there, but one of the things he noted, he says, he says, of all the churches I go to, it seems the ones that have an interest, not just in my ministry, which is to India, but to global missions, God really blesses them. Their abundance overflows. It's amazing. They don't just give it lip service. They, they're, you look at their budget sheet, and, that, and that's where you're the telling, and I'm, I'm not going to pull too many punches here, 
um, or gloss over it, but if, if you were able to, and most of you wouldn't be able to, uh, and they would probably not be real happy if you asked for the, um, the budget uh, and what was spent, but you will find big, medium, small, beginning churches, old churches, uh, that's where you will find where a lot of these things fit in. I hate to put it that way, uh, but remember, I think what I said in number one or number two, it's, it's not, a, not a business. I think I said it in one of those. It's not a business. Um, it's more, it should be more of a family. And if you look at where the money is spent, this will be an indicator, especially on this one in global missions. It's not just lip service. Okay. The heart of God is missions. I mean, I, I believe uh, Jesus was a missionary. He came here. It was his mission to come here. And um, we, if we don't have a heart for the world and we, we aren't aware of what our brothers and sisters and people are persecuted around the world, if we don't have a heart for that, we get caught up in our own selves and our own stuff and um, and and the focus is on us instead of the world and we have to have we have to have a world view so well you I, I I agree with you but you you say we have to have a world view um, I gave an example of some churches that don't don't believe that you have to have a world view so I'll ask you guys do we have to have a worldview do does the church have to have a worldview? You know what I mean by worldview instead of a ethnocentric view. Ethnocentric meaning let's just look at people that look like us and are like us. Be more open to people who are not like us, people who live different than us, live far away from us. Um, there's a centric view of that too, not, and, but the term doesn't come to me. It's not ethnocentric; it's um, something centric, uh, more human-centric, humanity. God, what Nancy's trying to say, and what I'll just get to the point is that, um, and, and you can chime in here, is that God didn't just create Americans, <laughs> you know. He didn't just create English-speaking people. He created a whole diverse group of people. And he loves those people. That's his creation. And I only put a few verses in here. I mean, I could have loaded up on verses. Um, and in other studies, I, I did. There's a whole lot of red print in my, in my verses. Uh, so throughout the Bible... It talks about what Nancy talked about, having a, a worldview. It, it just, it, it never stops. It's a common theme throughout the Bible. But what happens is, is that we start, as Nancy pointed out, we start looking at our own issues, our own problems. And we do have problems. 
I mean, people have marital strife. Um, there's um, juvenile delinquency strife. There's, I've got teenagers now. What happened to them? It's okay. They go away to another planet, and eventually they'll, they'll come back down to Earth uh, when they get into their 20s. Um, there's, there's just lots of strife. People lose their jobs. Uh, people get in a car accident. Uh, you lose a life. So it's easy to start looking at all the different things that go on in your own life and are the life of the people that you see every day, your family life. You know, who needs to look outside of your family life? I mean, it's part of the reasons in California you have a lot of six-foot privacy fences. I don't want to know what everybody else is doing in their lives. All I care about is keeping my family safe and having fun with my family. But, but Jesus doesn't look at it that way. Okay, I'm going to move along. Because my goal is to really end this study and not do a part four. That's really, really is truly my goal. As much as you would, uh, Cynthia would debate that with me. And maybe others. So, seventh, a praying church. And at one time, I didn't have this in here. A number of years ago, I didn't have this as, as one of these things. Like I say, it's, a, it's an evolving study over many years. A praying church where a premium is placed on the power and the need for prayer. Ephesians 6.18. Who had Ephesians 6.18? Praying at all times in the spirit with all power and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making requests for all the saints. Wow. Wouldn't that be some church if we just did that, right? Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. You all understand supplication? Basically supplying our needs. Or supplying somebody else's need, but that would be another thing. It would be supplying our needs. Um, to that end, keep alert with all the persever perseverance, making requests for all the saints. All the saints, meaning all the saints. The whole world and the people you see. They should come. And people have requests, like the thing, the hurting people that I just mentioned, the different examples. Um, they should be prayed, prayed for. And I have to tell you, and again, I could add a whole lot of scriptures to this. Remember what Jesus said when he went into the temple and he started turning over all the tables, right? With the people that were selling the doves and the pigeons and the lambs and the, the money changers. He was not happy. Jesus didn't get angry a whole lot in what we're taught in the scriptures. And that was one of them. I, I would suggest he lost his temper. I don't think he lost his temper. He had a righteous anger. Right? I don't think Jesus could lose anything. Um, and was what was he upset about? And what did he say? If somebody wants to find that verse, I don't think I put it in here. Uh, but he he was upset that they they turn a house of as he said. It's this is a house of prayer, and now it's a den of thieves. The church 
God made the temple a house of prayer. That's out of Jesus' lips. So if we don't emphasize prayer, again, not just giving it lip service, then you have to go to the bathroom? No. Oh, okay. You were just happy about what I just said? I like that. Okay. Okay, we're going to hire you out to run a crowd. Um, so you, you have a house of prayer, and you have a church that's healthy emphasizes prayer. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing a situation where a, a, a pastor has um, his sermon prepared. All the musicians are ready to go. They've practiced all week uh, for the songs they're going to sing. And there's some other programs that are going to go on. But there's an inordinate occurrence or an event that had happened that saddens everybody. Or there's somebody in the church that's just gone through an extraordinarily rough situation in the last few days. And they really need prayer. I wouldn't mind seeing a church say, you know what? We're not going to, we're just going to gather around and have a prayer service. We're, we're going to pray for the people that need prayer. That's what we're going to do. Nothing wrong with that, I don't think. Everything right with it, I believe. You can put some of the planned programs to the side. You can do that next week, right? You can. You really can. Unless you're on a schedule, and I know some some pastors do this. I, I, I never have figured it out, but they're probably a lot more organized than me. There's no doubts about that, but they'll have a whole year's worth of what's going to happen on Sunday planned out for 52 weeks. Like, whoa. That, gives, that doesn't give a lot of room for the Spirit to work, in my opinion. You know what I'm saying? So, or the schedule is so tight. 25 minutes, that's as far as we go. On, on the sermon, because in 25 minutes, people aren't going to want to listen anymore. They're going to get antsy. Joe, you don't have to agree with that so much. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, or as I've been told in some churches, well, you can't let it go than that because we've, the worship leader has six songs planned for the day. For the day. Six? Yeah, six songs. So if I went an extra 10 minutes, couldn't the worship leader skip one song? Oh, no. No, people want to hear that worship. Gee whiz, I must have a bad ego because I thought they wanted to hear the message that I prepared and came with. I don't know. I don't know. Can you cut a corner? Can you, can you roll with it? I don't know. If you're too tight, you're too scheduled, and again, you don't put an emphasis on the prayer part of it, and, and you, you can find this out. You don't have to go ask and, and, and get background check on this. You can sit in your church or a church for a month, two months, and you'll find out how much of it. Settle down, Grant. And what I'm saying is serious. It's not funny. Um, you will, you'll, you'll get an indicator what the emphasis is on prayer. Finally, and yes, this is an almost finally, a church 
that has accountability from within. Strong leadership that is not found in one or two people, but a balance like that found in the early church, such as elders, overseers, or otherwise known as deacons. Um, so, did anybody have Titus 1, 5 through 6? Titus's task on Crete. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might straighten out what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. An elder must be blameless, the husband of but one wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the cha charge of being wild and disobedient. Notice that was plural, more than one. And he sent Timothy out to set up church. There were church planting. And right from the get-go, he didn't see go, he didn't say go set up a youth pastor. He didn't even say go, go hire a pastor. Select two, two men among them to be elders. Or not men, select two elders among them. Why would he do that? Now we can get into a big discussion on that, but that's another, another discussion for another time. Uh, but I think if we read 1 Timothy 5.17, who has that one? Let the elders who rule well be, be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. First Timothy. Especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. Now some believe, as you probably know, that elders are the pastoral staff. Okay, I'm not one that believes that. They can be. They can be. And they probably should, they probably definitely should be. But there is no exclusivity here. And I've debated this with other pastors. We've had these discussions uh, inside and out, this verse, that verse. And I'd like to think that I win each time. <laughs> but I'm not here to arm wrestle anybody. Uh, you can do your own study or study with me or we can do a study on the leadership and the, uh, the polity of a church and the governance of a church. And then you have Acts 14.23. And when they had appointed elders, notice that in each of these verses, the elders are appointed and there's more than one. They had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer. Woo, a church with prayer. And fasting. Yikes. They committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So... In the Church of Acts, in the early church stages, elders were appointed. And Titus and Timothy give the qualifications for those elders. So there needs to be that, in my opinion, and based on what I read in Scripture, I, and I don't see it any other way, um, it's, it's, not a, it's not a one sheriff town. It's not a one sheriff uh, family. It's not, I am the oldest and the wisest, and so I rule. I'm, 
I'm the most gifted teacher and verbalizer and speaker. So I'm the one that says what goes on. Or I'm the most... Um, No, I wasn't. I wasn't thinking physical, <laughs> but we could. We could add physical into that. We could have. Uh, I'm. I'm the. Yeah, I can beat up anybody that attacks the church. Uh, I'm the most um, charismatic, or I'm the one who has a seminary degree. I'm the one that decided to go to Bible college, and finish, and decided to go into this. Um, this uh, um, this line of work called pastoring or teaching or being a priest, whatever you want to call. Okay, the Bible doesn't support that. It just doesn't support that. It only mentions pastor, I think, one time, and then it's. Again, it's a little debatable on the word pastor, but it's, it's mainly a teacher. So, again, a study for another time, we can go deeper into this. Now, I added, this is a serendipity, I mentioned, floating believers. Many American Christians hop from one church to another without any identity or accountability or commitment. This is a direct expression of America's rampant individualism. And this started way before your generation. This started with, I, I always put a knock on the millennial generation, do I not? And I don't apologize for it. Um, but our generation started this individualism. And maybe America was founded on Amer individualism to a large degree. But a lot of the, the individualism started in, in our generation. They have been taught that the Christian life involves more than just believing. It also includes, oh, they haven't been taught. I was wondering where I was going with that. They haven't been taught that Christian life in, involves more than believing. It also includes belonging. We grow in Christ by being in relationship to other Christians. That's from the Purpose Driven Church by Rick Warren. Um, and so I, I hope you get my point. People go church to church. I've made the claim many times. I've, I, I've gone to an extraordinary number of churches and churches that meet under a hut in a remote part of Africa that you can barely get to by a vehicle. I've been in India. I, I've, I've worshipped. I've worshipped. In Catholic churches, I've worshipped in Presbyterian. Um, I've worshipped. I've worshipped in all sorts of denominations, and I've never heard a sermon except for one time that put me to sleep that I didn't really like. Only one, and I won't mention the person or the church <laughs> that happened. And maybe it was just me. Nancy claims it wasn't just me, but. I, I, and I was in like the second or third row um, on Mac Road. <laughs> Thank you for validating that experience. I'm like, I am dying here. I'm going to collapse in front of this preacher. But that's the only time after literally thousands of sermons. And I, I believe it's because 
I was letting the Holy Spirit and, and come in and work. And I was, it was scripture that was being preached. And if the word is being preached, then it, it shouldn't come back void. All right. So I think that pretty close to ends this because I want to end at least by 5.30 and it's 5.29. What time is it? Nine o'clock. Oh no, I don't want to. I don't want to stop on time. It's nine o one, actually, technically. All right. So real quick, uh, we won't do the the church. What does not make a healthy church? But do you have questions? Let's interact. Let's just take a few minutes to uh, interact. Any questions? Any thoughts on any of this stuff? Any doubts? Do you think I'm crazy, full of hogwash? If you knew what hogwash was, never did understand that term completely. It's like an oxymoron. It's dirty. Yeah, it's it's useless, isn't it? Hogwash. There you go. I think you figured it. Thank you. It's been all these years. I haven't been able to figure out what hogwash was. So, what do you think? What do you think, Nick? That's true. And I also get how other people say, like, you know, but I'm supposed to help out the church I am right now and, you know, trying to better the church. And so maybe their reasoning, I think, is if you better the church you're at right now, maybe when you grow to be bigger, then you can help out other people. But I also see what they're coming from, because if you don't have a good foundation in your church or there's a lot of quarrels or, you know, misunderstandings, miscommunications, then how do you expect to go to like Africa or Asia or any of these other places to disciple if you don't even have a good foundation in your own church? So that's what I thought. Very astute. I, I, think, I, think, I think you're right. I think a lot of small churches especially say, you know what, when we get to that point, then we'll start doing that. I, I, I think you're, you're, you're right on. Uh, unfortunately, like you say, that's why it's very astute, if you're building a foundation of a church, then it's something you build on. You try to build on all the pillars of what makes a healthy church. And I would, I don't, I don't have this completely well thought out on that, that point, but I, I think that a lot of churches that would think that way, when they get to be medium-sized, are even bigger. No, their DNA is is already built in. They reach a point, eh. Remedy was small when you led a team to the Czech Republic. Mm -hmm. And and how many went on that eight? Six, six. Was it 2012 or something? Uh, the when you led the team, I think that was it six. I don't know the years. And and led a team to um, Africa too. 
I mean, Remedy sponsored a couple different mission trips. We're very small, but yet people are able to see the world and able to, to, to experience something that broadens their view of what Christ is doing in the world. If you, if you aren't seeing that, how in the world do you, are you able to grow to the point where maybe someday you can? And, and so it doesn't matter how small the church is. Mm-hmm. And to serve, by the way, not just exposure to these different right. people groups, but actually serve while you're there. that so you've experienced that I mean it, it totally changes the way you look at the world when you see a different piece of it mm-hmm. and you're a better Christian but you could do that on I don't know vacations or no no, no of course not no of course not exposure trips and serving trips I know one way if it, if someone if someone were to do this, and it, and like and it, but it, it, he, he, to do this, he he could be Christian too. Here's how it work. And like, well, if he were a filmmaker, I want I want him to explain how a how a how how I, I can make a a healthy church through 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 filmmaking. Yeah, yeah, I that's one way. I think. Doing it with film would be good. Any, okay. Any, um, did I say anything blasphemous? Did I blaspheme the Holy Spirit? None of your flags are going up. Well, I want to make sure, I don't, I don't want to take it for granted. Even though, even though uh, prayer, I mean, we know a healthy church involves prayer, but and maybe there's a prayer said here and there, but what does it mean for a church to actually be committed to prayer? What does that mean? What does that look like for the the leaders of the church to be committed to prayer and to to extend that to everyone? And and what does a praying church mean? I mean, we can say check, yeah, I'm, I, I pray in church. We we say an opening prayer. Yeah, we're done. We're good. But that's not what this means. This is all these are like you can check off the box, but but it's going going deep and it's it's looking at the DNA of, of how important these things really are. So I agree. Uh, uh, to me, uh, 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 a church that emphasizes prayer would, may have almost unheard of in a lot of suburban churches prayer nights. Our prayer vigils. Remedy used to do it. We used to do, um, we haven't done any for a long time, but two, maybe three times, but two for sure, we did uh, all night of prayer. It is? All night of prayer? Really? 
What did you think of our all night of prayer? Besides, it was all night. It was okay. It was okay. But I was going to um, say something about what a church might look like with an emphasis on prayer. Um, the church I attend, Living Water, at the end of the service, after the sermon, communion, and then the um, church leadership steps off to the side, and it's broad announcement. If you need prayer for anything, if you want to pray with us, if you need prayer for anything, you can come see us. And that's just what that whole section time frames for. They make a point of yeah, they make a real obvious point that they value prayer, and they're here to actually pray for people. That's good. Oop, I'm sorry. Another example of how a church, sorry, might do that. <laughs> How a church might do that is um, our church does a prayer meeting every Sunday right before the worship service. So for 30 minutes before the worship service, we get together. Of course, we're only 50 people right now. So we can get together as a group and pray for each other, and people will share their, their requests. Some of them real short requests. Some of them we've got one, one of our elderly ladies always brings a whole laundry list of prayer requests to share at the prayer meeting. That's all we can think about. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, um, and then we pray for them right then and there. And then during the service, there's always a, um, I forget, a congregational prayer, I guess is what we call it, where, again, the major prayer requests are gone through, and then they pray for literally everything that you can think of that in general, as far as like, oh, pray for our leaders, pray for, you know, singles desiring marriage, pray for married desiring children. It just everything. in everything in general. Mm -hmm. um, every Sunday they they read through a big um, prayer like that, and they'll update it based off of the prayer meeting oh. from that Sunday service. Nice. Well, that's that's a nice that's a really nice emphasis on prayer. Well, that then to me they're hitting a big check yeah. on on that one. That's that's awesome. What do you guys think about? The, I don't know what number it is. Um, the plurality of leadership, mm -hmm. the whole thing with the elders. Well, Madison and I are Presbyterians, so that's a big mark in Presbyterian theology. Is that we believe in having more than one pastor What about each local church? Each local church should have at least two. You know, it's funny. Um, I've been going to LifePoint Church recently, and one of the, I think it was last week's sermon was, um, it was about wise counsel, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, that was like one of the main subjects in the talk. And um, basically, the reason why you want other people giving you wise counsel is because you're blind to your own blind spots, mm -hmm. right? Like you don't know your own self as well as other people can observe it a lot of the time um, because when you make decisions on your own 
it's usually, especially involving things that are important to you, there are emotions involved, right? Um, and that kind of takes you away from doing things logically. And there's a whole accountability part of that too. So I'm kind of for, yeah. Um, well, does, does that church have, are there blind, I'll, I'll just ask it in general, are there blind spots that leaders might have? Yes, that's what I'm, yeah. That's what you're referring to. Okay, so they they have a built-in process amongst the leaders to be held accountable. It seems that way. I mean, they have um, like six or seven elders. All right, all right, cool. No, that's 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 good. Uh, I would suggest, and I'm not talking about your example, but while we're on it, be be wary about a church where the the lead pastor chooses the elders. Okay, uh, be wary of one person choosing and raising up or, um, how can I say it, um, nominating the people that they, they want in there. Uh, some would say, and again, I'm not going into detail in any of these areas, uh, some, because we could get into a congregation-run church versus... Um, a presbytery, 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 um, or we could get into um, um, a church where there's just uh, one or two people, and 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 you'll get solid debate on on all of those. Um, so, uh, but maybe we'll we'll go after that at another time. I'm going to read you a quote that Nancy begged me to uh, to read here. No, I'm just kidding. I told her I would quote out of um, this book we're reading, Church 3.0, Upgrades for the Future of the Church by Neil Cole. Uh, he talks, he has several books written about organic church, and so he defines an organic church. Uh, it equals natural principles and processes that is a mindset, not a model. Church is an organism, and like all organisms, she should be healthy, be fruitful, and reproduce after her own kind in a natural way. So, well, let me read the second quote. 3.0 is more relational and viral, meaning it spreads and less dependent on clergy and programs. Church is no longer a place to go to, but a people to belong to. Church is no longer an event to be at, but a family to be part of. Church is not a program to reach out to the world, but a people that brings the kingdom of God with them into a lost world with a contagious spirit. So, one of the things I want you to think about, and we're, we're not going to discuss it too much here, uh, it'd be great to break up in small groups at this point and discuss how a church, what is meant by a church being fruitful and a church multiplying uh, versus addition. You see the difference in math? That's a big thing these days. A church that adds to its number. Now we need a bigger church building. We keep adding to our number versus a church that multiplies, meaning 
we're not looking to get bigger and adding. We're going to split off and, and reproduce in another location. Are we going to reproduce in another location? Are we going to reproduce in another location? Just, just something to think about. Um, and that's a big part of what the Western civilization, church movement, is all about right now. There's a, and it's been around for quite a few years, uh, the home church movement, uh, the, um, the idea that small churches are better than big, big churches. Um, uh, not an attack on megachurches, but some criticism of megachurches. And the idea that there should be multiplication. Uh, and that gives the house church concept. There's only so many people you can fit in the house, right? So what you do is you reproduce and set up, um, have some leaders start up a church in another house. And they in turn start another one. And the one original one sp splits off and uh, produces another one. And you keep reproducing those uh, families, if you will. And um, so this this is a big part of what you will see if you got into... Uh, studies on church. Uh, this is a huge part of what they would they would be studying. This is the big movement that's going on right now, and this is part of 3.0, is that kind of church movement. We're all right. I think we covered as much as we're going to cover tonight. Uh, Cynthia made a big. I don't know. She she wanted to see the movie The Apostle when we meet next week. I'm actually not sure what we're going to do next week uh, because I thought we would have, and I'm going to turn off the microphone now.